We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Yo, what's good, Knicks Nation? Alex Terrace here, a.k.a. the Tratocaster, back again with another Game of the Week preview. This time we're previewing Game 4, where the New York Knicks will be hosting the Cleveland Cavaliers once again at 1 p.m. at Madison Square Garden on ABC. And who better to preview this game once again is none other than Evan Damarell. He has the newsletter right down Euclid. You can also find him on Locked on Cavs. But before we ask Evan how he's doing today... Make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys and make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. Evan, my man, how are you feeling today, bro? Uh, thankfully, I, in my years of covering this team professionally, I'm able to kind of keep my emotions arm length, so arm's length away at times <laughs> when it comes to watching the Cavs. But boy, oh boy, uh, last night was certainly a game. I was talking to you guys before we uh, the mics were hot and my fiance was watching the game with me and I'm taking notes. I'm just kind of working, just not really like listening to the side conversation. And then when the halftime buzzer hit, like I sat back and like just exhale because I'm like, OK, I can take a small break. And I look over and I'm like, how's it going? She's like, I thought the Cavs were good. And mm. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that's that's an indictment of how this evening is going for the Cavaliers. Wolf. That's rough, man. That's rough. Uh, but I've been there before. I've been there before, especially covering this team, especially when it was uh, the 2019-2020 season, even last year. My wife would be the same thing, like, what's going on with this team? Why don't you, why don't you, look, why don't you root for a good team? So I, I've, had this, I've had this share fair of, uh, mm-hmm. the fair share, I should say, uh, of just the, the criticisms of the team, oh, yeah. the teams that we cover. But look, man, last night, Knicks came correct. They made their adjustments. They're ready to face the Cavaliers who kicked in their teeth in game two. And the Knicks decided to give them their own medicine in game three, winning 99 to 79. What did you see from the Cavaliers or whack thereof in game three? The lack of scoring just in general, the 79 points Cleveland scored is the lowest scoring performance from any team this NBA season. At first, when I looked it up last night, I'm like, oh, this is the lowest amount of points the Cavs have scored this year where they the lowest point before that was when they played the Knicks in December and scored 81, I believe, Mm -hmm. which credit again to just Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks and just 
having those right pressure points is just something you and I have talked about several times now. Like the, the Knicks just have the right personnel just to make Cleveland uncomfortable. And the first quarter alone was an anomaly. Like neither team could hit a shot. And there's plenty of wide open, clean looks for whether it's Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell or on the Knicks side of things, um, Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson or even RJ Barrett as well. Like both teams got clean looks, but then New York kind of found comfort. They're able to steady out a little bit in the second quarter and rode a ton of momentum heading into halftime. And Cleveland just looked hapless out there. And I think a lot of it could be attributed to starting Karis LeVert to open the game. And I understand the optics of it heading into the game, just because you're not a favorite uh, on the road. You historically just aren't the best road team. You're one game under 500 in terms of your road record this year. Mm -hmm. And you are trying to think like, okay, let's, let's get maybe that offensive punch because this is the line that we closed with last game that we saw a lot of success with in game two. Let's carry, see if we can carry that momentum into game three, maybe just kind of ride the first emotional wave of playing in the garden. Cause that, that crowd was amped up. I, mm-hmm. I don't, wherever you're watching, listening to it, like you could hear like the Knicks fans were engaged wire to wire. Even when it was a blowout, they were still absolutely razzing the calves and just like jazzing up every player on the Knicks bench or just whoever was checking. That's in just that how time. we do over here, man. That's just how it's, we do. You got to respect it. And I, I said it on my own show after the game. I'm like, I thought game two's crowd for in Cleveland was a pretty like bedlam, but New York was a different beast in of itself. But it just in terms of just what Cleveland did, it was starting Levert, bringing Okoro off the bench. And I think that threw a wrench in a few things as well. Also just playing Ricky Rubio for five and a half minutes nearly, like really threw a wrench in just what the Cavs were trying to do offensively. And it was just the lack of offensive approach in this one. I think defensively, you can hang your hat on holding New York to less than a hundred points. And you've kind of consistently kept them within that like hundred ish point range. Like that, that's, that's good. Like, I think that's encouraging in terms of just the defensive identity of the Cavs, but when New York is just able to get hot on offense and just ride the energy and emotions from the crowd like that, that's a death sentence for you. And it was, it felt like the game was over at halftime and there was the Darius Garland injury scare, of course, but it was just a rough performance overall and not the best road playoff debut for this Cavs team. Yeah, and it was definitely that second quarter because in the first quarter, we saw the Knicks and the Cavs both struggling to get offense going. I mean, they both had 17 points ending the first quarter. Then the Knicks decide to not only go on a scoring streak, but they also decide to turn up the dial on their defense and and help mm-hmm. the Cavs to 15 points, right? And there was not necessarily anyone in particular that stood out like, like, uh, let me let me uh, preface this saying that, you know, we saw Jalen Brunson do Jalen Brunson things using his footwork to score. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the overall tallies, it was pretty even across the board that you're getting contribution from all areas of the New York Knicks depth t- chart for, oh, for yeah. all nine for all nine guys. And when you get something like that. They're a tough team to stop because that was the one thing that. Coming into this series, we've talked about whether it's been you, Evan, or even with uh, even with uh, Chris uh, Fedor for who cover, uh, covers the Cavs at uh, Cleveland.com, and even Justin Rowan. It's like the Knicks' depth is just so – it is daunting when everyone starts to get mm-hmm. going. And I'll say eight because uh, – I'll say eight because Quentin Grimes did not play in the second quarter. But you just see, like, you go up and down the board. Brunson with six, Mitchell Robinson with four, Randall with three, RJ with four. You get Emmanuel quickly with five, Josh Hart with two. Like, no one, Isaiah Hartenstein with four as well. Like, no one necessarily had, like, that had, like, an individual performance that blew up 
in the second quarter, mm-hmm. but the way they were just able to come collectively as a unit to just damper whatever Cleveland wanted to do offensively. And that started with, you know, Emmanuel quickly getting out there, pressing Garland full court to get, make sure that once again, you have Donovan Mitchell being the sole playmaker for most of that quarter and forcing Garland to be uncomfortable because I like, as even though he's an all-star level guard, I don't think he has that type of experience being able to play off ball. He's so much better on ball as we saw in game Mm -hmm. two. And just by doing that alone, I think really set the tone for New York because everybody else, once he had allowed Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell had to be, make that decision. Like, is it going to be me that helps carry this team or, and, or how do I get everybody else involved? Because Mm -hmm. you still need everybody else to make sure the Cavs team was able to stay afloat in this game. But Nick's defense was a, was just on a whole other level. Their offense starting to show up after a terrible game too, but really the defense was what really stood out this game to me. Oh, yeah. New York was locked in defensively, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Just the fact that the Knicks – this is something I've just noted to a lot of my listeners, readers, wherever that people consume my content. They're like, hey, New York has a lot of just quality depth and a lot of young legs, whereas the Cavs – are rocking with, well, no longer working with Ricky Rubio, uh, Danny Green, who's still maybe not 100% physically just because of that ACL tear, uh, Karis LeVert and Jetty Osmond. Like, that doesn't inspire much hope, obviously. Like, you're going to be leaning heavily on your stars. And to your point, the the Knicks did a great job rattling Darius Garland, holding Karis LeVert to 0-5 shooting was huge too. Like, Mm -hmm. it really just completely negated the impact or just the thought, at least, of starting Levert in this game because the offensive momentum just was not there because New York hit the Cavs and made them feel rattled for the better part of this whole game. But like, it really became clear in the second quarter because New York settled in and just took advantage of the fact that Cleveland was careless with the basketball. I'm looking at the uh, just turnovers right now. Cleveland had eight turnovers in this quarter and the Knicks scored 13 points off those turnovers. Like that, those are backbreakers no matter what, but especially on the road and especially when like Darius Garland's rattled. And as you'd said, Donovan Mitchell now has to like decide, okay, do I take over offensively or do I try to get the rest of my guys involved? It's really hard to figure that out in the chaos of just what's going on in front of you. And it, it the, the Cavs fell apart at the seams and Sure, maybe they made a little bit of a push in the second half where they kept things close, at least scoring-wise, in the quarter. But the second quarter is just where New York blew things open. And then the Knicks just did enough of the right things to keep Cleveland pretty much rattled for the whole game, but at least arm's length away enough that the Cavs could never really make this like a competitive contest in the second half. Hey, everyone. Alex here. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you're trying to buy a ticket to an event and it was just a hassle? You know trying to find them at the last minute, hunting down the best price, competing with other buyers for that popular event you're trying to attend. For me, it was buying Knicks tickets not too long ago. As you know, I'm out here in Boston, and when the Knicks were in town, it was just a pain in the butt to get some tickets. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be that stressful. So download the app GameTime or go to GameTime.co. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're in the New York area right now and you're a sports fan, there's a couple things that you may want to check out. You know, the Giants are in town facing the Yankees, so maybe you want to head over to Yankee Stadium. If you're a Knicks fan like me, the Wizards are going to be in town, so maybe you want to go over to MSG and rock your orange and blue. Or maybe you're a Mets fan. You got the home opener next week. Miami Marlins will be in town. 
So why not check that out? Either way, make sure to use the GameTime app because it's simple and easy to use. Also, they got flash deals and you can always find tickets at the last minute. And if you're like me, you want to know where you're sitting and what your seats look like. And they always give you images of the seats and the views. GameTime is the place for the last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app or go to GameTime.co, create an account, and use the code KFTV for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code KFTV for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. You know, in the playoffs, because during the regular season, we can see 20 point leads in the regular season. That's mm-hmm. nothing. Any team, like it, it could be free flowing. You know, it's not as tense as the playoff atmosphere. But once you get up by 15, 20 points in the playoffs, and things slow down like they do in the playoffs. Like you see that, like no one's really trying to out, like go running and gunning in the playoffs, especially between these two teams. A lot of it's just working the half court. And if you're going to be killing clock, like killing the clock like that, it's going to be difficult to come back from such a deficit like the Cavaliers. But I really was impressed by how New York was able to respond in game three, because like I said earlier, game two was just nightmarish all Mm -hmm. around. The Cavs really brought it. Um, I'm happy to see, like from a Knicks perspective, that they were able to bounce back. I'm curious to see what's going on with Quinton Grimes because he had a contused uh, shoulder, and that's why he couldn't mm-hmm. play the remainder of the game. And we're still going to need him because even the minutes that he gave, right, it's keeping guys fresh, ready to go. That's why Josh Hart's able to come in and give that energy to, that he does off the bench. Um, I want to I want to see how the Knicks are able to follow up this performance in game four because, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking a little bit backstage. I think this is going to be that pivotal game, honestly. Like, I know game three for 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 a team that still went on the, on the road is important, but game four, when you're up 2-1, this will be determining if it's like, is it going to be a game 5-6? Or if the, if the Cavs win, this is probably going to go seven because of how things keep going back and forth, mm-hmm. in my opinion. What do you think about that? I, I think that's a valid observation. Um, if Cleveland drops game four on Sunday, I, I think we're going to be saying like, okay, their season is probably coming to a close sooner rather than later, just because they could, they could win game five, but they have yet to win in the garden this season. And I think if it's a game six scenario in the garden, Knicks fans are going to be at an even higher level than they were in game three, which is kind of hard to comprehend, but I would just imagine just the fan base would bring it, the team would bring it, that just that energy and waves and just, maybe frustration bullying over on Cleveland side of things. But as you had said, I'm curious for what adjustments the Cavs make heading into game four, because nothing really went right for them on offense. And you kind of have to have this sense of urgency because your season is realistically on the line. Like you could go back, steal one on the road, and then it's all tied up at two apiece heading back home. And like you, you feel a little bit better because then it's just the best of three at that point. So you can just focus that at that perspective. Whereas if you're down 3-1 heading home, sure, historically speaking, Cleveland pulled off the impossible in 2016, but 
Maybe it's just the uncertainty now, just because there's no LeBron James on this roster, but the Cavs don't have that luxury of like one of the greatest players of all time, putting him them on his back and just carrying them and willing them the victory. So I, I'm curious to see what the Cavs do. I wrote about this a little bit, but I think it's just they have to go back to what worked in game two, maybe make some small minor adjustments. To me, it maybe feels like J.B. Vickerstaff overcorrected a little too much, but hmm. it could just be an interesting way to see how things go. And also, Mitchell Robinson said it post game last night. Like he and the Knicks know the Cavs are rattled on the interior right now. Like Mobley and Allen are playing a little scared. And I think think if you're Cleveland not I think I know if you're Cleveland you need those two to show up on in game four just to kind of be that security blanket for your guards defensively but also that is your bread and butter and identity is just enforcing your will on the interior and if you're not able to do that with your two premier bigs you're going to be get sent you're going to be sent home super quick for sure. And, and, you know, you talked about 2016 where they did the improbable. I mean, once again, it goes back to the difference of having depth like you guys have stars oh, yeah. on that team. Like I'm like, let's let's make it clear. Like this is a very good young roster moving forward. Um, like, but you talk obviously you, LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, and then behind that, you know, you have uh, Matt Delavandova, you had Channing Fry, you had Timothy Mozgov, you know, you had J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert. There, there was you had Tristan Thompson. Like there there was some mm. good depth on that team, which this this Cavs team is lacking. So that once again, like it, it's just important to have depth come playoff time just to keep guys fresh and so forth. But what do you expect the Cavs to do differently in game four? Because as you, as you, as you mentioned numerous times now, you know, they put Karis LeVert in that starting rotation. They, you know, uh, shout out to JD uh, last night on the post game show. Like when he brought this up, like, you know, you ruin the Cavs depth on the bench when you do that. Like this is where you don't put all like, you don't show your entire hand up front, right? Like you mm-hmm. don't have all your best players playing at the same time because you need to have somebody who can give you some scoring, some someone that can come off the bench and give you that type of versatility. Do you see JB Bickerstaff going back to that? Who do you see come back into the rotation? Like what what happens with Okoro? What do you think? What are you thinking for? What do you think for the adjustments that Bickerstaff has to make in Game Four? I think you need to just go back and start Isaac Okoro. Um, it's totally fine like to admit you're wrong just by doing that, but Isaac Okoro is Cleveland's best point of attack defender. Um, Jalen Brunson is a lot of the offense runs through him, but like of course there's Julius Randle. I mean, RJ Barrett stepped up and like the Knicks do have a lot of depth, but like if Brunson's able to get it going and can kind of amp up the crowd, like that's tough. But if you're able to kind of just establish a little bit of dominance on the road, or maybe just rat or try to at least fit, be physical with the Knicks, you need a Coro there to kind of just defend on the perimeter and handle Brunson a little bit and just maybe calm things down. And to your point, the Cavs did try to play their five best players last night to start the game, and it didn't work. And I think Karis LeVert, and he started the season as a starting small forward. He approached Bickerstaff and said, like, hey, I think I'm better off the bench because I have more shot opportunities, and I can kind of build a rhythm and flow against bench units. And sure, New York has a very, very, very good bench unit. And sure, there is some uncertainty just with like including in terms of who's available and like maybe who steps up in the event there are injuries for New York. But if you're the Cavs, you want to maybe just feel if Karis LeVert can handle a lot of that just primary six-man responsibilities and just let him kind of cook a little bit and play him in tandem with one of Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland because you found a lot of success doing that this season. And 
it, it still baffles me that they went away from it and just went back to something that wasn't working earlier in the year. But either way, they get Levert going, and then you just kind of keep a steady, healthy rotation between Okoro, Danny Green, Jetty Osman, and then you just figure out, like, okay, who's going to be the hottest hand on this one? Like, obviously, play Okoro for his defense, but if the Cavs just build that offensive momentum, maybe you can replicate the results of game two. But either way, like, you need to just find ways to impose your will defensively maybe this is similar to like a heavyweight title fight where you're watching two juggernauts go blow for blow with one another on defense and just kind of hitting each other with everything they have but i don't i don't know it's just i'm still a little stunned just by the results of this game just because this is objectively the worst the Cavs have played this season and people can point out the fact that they lost to golden state's second and third stringers with an almost an entirely healthy team and that was a bad regular season performance, but given the context and the weight of the situation and just how much these playoff games matter, this was massive. And this is a lot of just like do or die stuff. Like you might have to empty your playbook at this point and just figure out like, what can we do to win one in the garden for the first time this year? So we can head back home tied up to a piece and then course correct and figure out the next steps because the Cavs and the Knicks both have a luxury of playing Sunday and then being off until Wednesday for game five. So there's a little bit of room for, healing and improvement but you got to win this game if you're cleveland if not their season is likely over we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The thing I... For me, that I see, that I think Cleveland needs is is one from you're gonna need Garland to step up because on the seat on yeah. the regular season he does not play well on the road as he does at home like most players, but really at the Garden he's shooting poorly. You know, of the 18 mm-hmm. attempts that he takes uh, of during the regular season at the Garden he's shooting 30 percent, meaning out of 18 he's hitting five and a half. When he shoots from three from the seven and a half attempts that he takes, he's hitting two and a half. So. He can get you the 19 points, but it's not going to be efficiently, and you're going to need yeah. Garland if you're going to do that. But seeing what it has been historically uh, at the Garden, I wouldn't expect it, and especially when you have you know the crowd into it, the defense that Nick, the Knicks are turning up right now. It's very difficult, especially for a young player, in my opinion. But what really changes the game for New York was R.J. Barrett showing up finally. Oh, yeah. And, and that was big because Julius didn't have a great offensive night, I thought he did very well defensively, containing mm-hmm. Mobley, switching, like protecting the paint, grabbing the grabbing defensive rebounds. Um, he made timely shots when needed uh, for a good portion of the game. Uh, but overall, it was RJ because outside of Brunson, you needed that performance from RJ. I mean, last night, RJ had 
what was it? He had 19 points. He had 19 points, eight rebounds, three assists. He could have had more assists, but he shot efficiently from the field, eight to 12. And then his three-point shot, which for pregame yesterday, I said he needs to shoot the three to not only open up the game for himself, but for his teammates because mm-hmm. Randall wasn't shooting well from three. Brunson wasn't shooting well from three. Like you got solid contribution from Toppin, one for four, not the greatest, but it's still you got someone knocking down a three. Uh, Josh Hart went two for two, and he had quickly going two for three from downtown. And those 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 threes helped open up the game for what oh, yeah. the Knicks wanted to do just to attack the paint because now you have to honor their shot. Mm-hmm. Right? No. It wasn't necessarily the greatest three-point shooting performance, and most of it was taken by by Randall and Brunson, but everybody else hitting timely threes that you had to had to account for mm-hmm. helped uh, and allowed Brunson and Randall, more really more so I should say Brunson and RJ to attack the paint. And that was just that was just different for this game. Oh yeah, RJ Barrett was huge in this game. Um, he already like he wasn't performing the best in game one and two offensively. I'm sure as the Knicks fans listening and you guys know this pretty well, of course. But he was still a pest defensively, and if he unlocks that two way game, just or finds that confidence in his two way game in the middle of the series, like that could be a huge problem for Cleveland because Josh Hart has been consistently a pest. For the cat for the Knicks and just like bothering the Cavs in ways and maybe that make them uncomfortable. Emmanuel quickly is looked really comfortable in this game after kind of just shying away after game one and two at times. And Hartenstein has been a bit of a killer off the bench for the uh, Knicks against the Cavs just because it is a bit of Mitchell Robinson and Hartenstein as well, just rattling Jared Allen and Evan Mobley on the interior and. It's it's tough, and I got to give a lot of credit to Obi Toppin as well. There was just that sequence in the third quarter where he has like a high energy defensive play, and mm-hmm. then he hits a three pointer on the other end of the floor, and I'm just like, yeah, Obi Toppin's feeling it too. Like the, the Knicks just really showed how good their depth is when they're kind of locked in and gelling with one another, and that was the clear disparity just in terms of just the amount of healthy or just reliable bodies available for Cleveland and New York, and. It was it was massive. Um, but yeah, RJ was awesome in this game. Like I've always been a fan of his. I've appreciated just him devol- evolving as such a, like a great defensive player. But yeah, if he unlocks his two-way game, it, it's going to be a problem for Cleveland because you had noted three-point shooting. No one on the Cavs shot the three-ball well. Like Dar- Donovan Mitchell was two of eight. Darius Garland was one of seven. Karis LeVert was three of 11. Evan Mobley is 0 of one. And Isaac Okoro was the only efficient one who was one of one from the floor. It is about... 12-ish minutes played so Cleveland was rattled in this game I think just the lack of offensive flow or maybe just none of the shots falling in the first quarter certainly killed any of the momentum and then the second quarter happened and it just completely blew apart so I'm I'm very curious to see what happens uh I, I agree with your sentiment that who wins this game likely will win the series but game three certainly set the table for game four to have a ton of weight to it Absolutely. And I don't expect the Knicks to do much of anything to adjust, honestly. What they did in this game, you know, yeah. What, what was so different in this game is that instead of Brunson trying to score early, he got everybody else involved first and then waited for the right moment to call his number and really attack and get into a rhythm because he can get into a rhythm at any point when he really wants to. But you need everybody else chipping in, and that's where you see like him finding RJ. RJ started to get going early. You know, mm-hmm. you had uh, Mitchell Robinson getting his at the beginning of the game as well, and you just got some good contribution that helped unfold uh, the Knicks' offense for everybody else. So 
I don't see the Knicks making much of an adjustment. You know, you just hope that you get the same production out of RJ or something close to it in game four, because when he's doing this and essentially what he needs to do is just be a starter level with Josh Hart. Like what Josh Hart gives you off the bench is what you're asking from RJ at this point. A guy who can attack and transition, a guy who can finish around the rim, get you some good, some good timely threes. And then if you play solid defense, the Knicks are going to be, the Knicks will be just fine. But Evan, getting close to wrapping this thing up, mm-hmm. what, who, who do you think will have, who do you need to see step up in the garden for game four for Cleveland to have a chance? Darius Garland. I, again, I, I'm still confused on why the Cavs just didn't try to replicate the results of game two, but a lot of what worked for Cleveland game two was Donovan Mitchell kind of bending the defense using his gravity and Garland benefiting because of it. And the Cavs just need those two working in harmony because their offense is just so predicated on both of their guards playing well that if either of them are, or if both of them are off, it's not winnable. If one of them is off, it's going to be a very tough night, but if they're both clicking, it becomes a lot easier just because Mobley and Allen are to be handling the defensive responsibility. So you need Darius Garland to step up for Cleveland just because he showed it in game two. And maybe he responds again after just another bad performance. And this was, I would say, a nightmare game for him in game three. But the, the Cavs need him to step up and just really dig deep to find a way to win this game and head back home tied up to a piece. Okay, so you need Darius Garland, which that's that's not surprising. It, it, as you said, the the backcourt for Cleveland is what dictates everything else to unfold for the Cavaliers. For the Knicks, for Game Two, yeah. If you're I asking, them me, to ask you, who do you think who do you think needs to step up in Game Four for you guys? I think it's a it's a it's the same thing with RJ Barrett once again because once he's able to attack and get downhill like that and, and be like when he's confident, focused. Uh, like he's decisive and has that awareness that he did in game three. That's the player that you need that can be a different cha- uh, a difference maker. Because if you have RJ Barrow, like I said, like what you want him to do is ex- exactly what Josh Hart's doing off the bench. If you get mm-hmm. two guys that can do that, that's tough to, to guard. So I'm going to need another RJ performance just to keep the Knicks going on this momentum. I think he will because he's, re- he's good at home. He's solid at home. Um, I'm not expecting, uh, I'm I'm not expecting like massive games once again. I think if anything we've seen this series, it's going to be a low scoring affair. I mean, mm-hmm. Knicks won with like, what was it? They won with like a hundred, 101 points. You know, Cleveland just decided to blow the doors open in game two. And that was just the most on like, actually it was 107. I, I guess it's not really blowing the doors open considering like what the NBA has been known for this season. Oh, yeah. 107, 101. Now we got 99. These are like low scoring affairs for today's NBA. And I just think this is going to be another tightly contested defensive game. Like we're going to see oh, yeah. defense be played and it's who, you know, who, who breaks first, you know, mm-hmm. game two, it was the Knicks breaking in, in the second quarter. Now you got the Cavs breaking the second quarter. I think what we can gather from this series right now, it's who the second quarter is the most important quarter. Like how do you, because how you're able to come out at halftime, you know, how close the game is will determine like who has positioning because Mm -hmm. both teams can just slow the thing, slow this game down. You know, Cavs work like to work out of the half court. Knicks like to work out of the half court. So 
I'm looking for a strong game once again from RJ because once again, this is just the way that this is going. No one's going to have like that. It doesn't seem like anyone's going to have that explosive game that we're we're all waiting for, like other series, right? Like we had Norman Powell drop thirty plus points against the Suns. I don't I don't think that's going to happen for this one just because how good defensively both teams are. Yeah, I I agree with you, and it's actually that's an interesting note just about how teams are. Winning, whoever wins the second quarter, rather, um, seems to be the team that wins the game. That's actually a really interesting note, and I'm going to maybe go back and just like break down the footage play by play in each second quarter, just to kind of get like a proper context of maybe what is and isn't working for either team. But it should be a fun game. Um, I'm just I'm just curious to see how Cleveland responds, just because this was so out of character for them on just either end of the floor and. It has to be disappointing just considering how strong it looked in game two, especially because that was such a strong response to a pretty frustrating game one. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. If it keeps going back and forth like this, it's not going to be good for the health of any Knicks fan or Cavs fan. But <laughs> Blood pressure will be through the roof. Oh, yeah. I'll call your doctor soon. Get it's some medication. Yeah. Go get some natural remedies, whatever you're all into. Hey, that's that's what this series is all about. But Evan, appreciate you coming on once again. Please let our listeners know where they can find you if you got anything coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having me anytime. Um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram as well at amnotevan. That's my handle. But I run the fully independent newsletter and website right down Euclid where I cover the Cleveland sports scene at large, obviously focusing on the Cavs playoff run right now. Um, got for four really good pieces that just came out this week covering this, just everything that's been going on in the series. And yeah, fully independent reader backed, uh, sometimes advertisers supported as well. But there's that. And I also do Locked on Cavs, which is your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers five days a week. So yeah, no, it, it's been a fun series. and. Thank you again for having me, man. Absolutely. We'll see. I mean, look, both both these teams had two, as we would say, uncanny-like uh, characteristic games. Knicks just didn't show up in game two. Cavs didn't show up in game three. We'll see what game four gives us. But, Evan, once again, thank you for coming on the show. And to Knicks Nation, thank you once again for tapping in. Make sure to hit that thumbs-up button for your boys. Make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com to catch all Remy's recaps after every single game. And we'll catch you for pregame. Play-by-play, post-game on Sunday. Remember, Knicks play at 1 p.m. at Madison Square Garden on ABC. We'll catch you later, Knicks Nation. We out.